This is the Mooks and the Gripes podcast. Hello, everybody. Happy New Year. This is Trevor. Resolutely, Paul. Paul, how are you doing? Happy New Year. Thank you. You too. I'm yes. I'm standing here resolutely, not making any resolutions. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm doing really well. Uh, off to a good start this year, and yeah, happy to talk to you. It seems like we were talking. It seems like mm-hmm. it's been a while, even though we're still on our regular schedule. But I think the holidays create this weird mm-hmm. time where it, you know it feels like it goes fast, but also like it's been forever. Well, and we we recorded our two part end of the year special uh closer together than we normally would have so it has been about three weeks since the last time we recorded and it just yeah that with that with the holidays and we we kept in touch and all of that Mm -hmm. but it is i don't know it's it's nice and i've been looking forward to this episode Uh, listeners today we are going to be looking forward to 2023 um very informally you know, last year we did like these questions about 2022 and that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, today we're just going to be blathering along. <laughs> yep. <laughs> what, what are you wanting to read? What's coming out that you're looking forward to? You know, today is much more about uh, just sitting around the, the dinner table or something like that, going out and, and just chatting about what's to come and hopefully having a little bit of a celebratory uh, episode that uh, you know, here we are at the start of a new year. Um, the horizon is is wide, and how what what do we see coming that looks fun, and what are we going to do as we keep on approaching that horizon? So, yeah, looking forward exactly. to it. I am too, and yeah, I was thinking like I think we've talked about before during some of our season seasonal episodes how January and February aren't necessarily our favorite times of the mm-hmm. year. They can they can be a little bleak or a little you know stretch out long ahead of you. But I really enjoyed this whole planning process and just looking at the year ahead and thinking about it because it adds like we've talked about having reading plans adds so much excitement and hope and fun to a new year that I really enjoy doing this kind of thing so I had a much better winter last year and I think part of it was because of you know a, a part of it was just because of the podcast it was always fun to be thinking ahead about what are we going to be talking about and what are we reading and some of my plans so I I am I'm actually kind of excited for the you know dark evenings over the next couple of months and reading yeah. and and then being able to talk about it. I yeah, exactly. Think it was nice. <laughs> I feel the same way. Yeah. It's been really fun. So, yeah, as I was doing this, I was, you know, looking ahead and and thinking about all these books and as usual, <laughs> it's just so funny <laughs> how I'm just like by the end I'm just like I'm going to read everything. Right yes. now. <laughs> Life won't get in the way ever. <laughs> exactly. How can I quit my job and just live in a monastery with a pile of books? That's right. Can the kids survive if I'm not bringing home any money? <laughs> exactly. Well, I do have a little bit of Patreon uh, business. Uh, we've got a couple of new Patreon supporters. Um, M.M., that's how she goes on Patreon, even though I do know her full name and have been in touch with her and corresponded with her. Uh, since that's what she put on Patreon, I thought that maybe that's how she would want to be referred to. Um, but she signed up at our highest level, um, even with a little bit more than that. So, wow. MM, thank you so much for your support. As exceptionally kind. And again, we, we plan on part of our plans for the year, you know, figuring out new episodes and new ways that we can um, also uh, give back to our listeners and have fun you know, both, both with what we're reading, um, 
but also with giveaways and such. Uh, but but for example, over the holidays, it was kind of nice because our next episode is going to be about the author Scholastique Mokasanga. We've been talking about that for a little while. And Paul didn't have a couple of her books. And it was very nice to just say, here, I'll let, let me order them. We've got money mm-hmm. from Patreon. And I got those so that they could be sent over to Paul. He's got them now. Yeah. And, you know, that kind of stuff is just what we're using the, the money for, um, as well as the giveaways and all of that. But uh, thank you very much. And also Samuel Moon uh, signed up at our highest level. So I owe a few people book boxes. And they they will be coming soon. Thank you all. There are a few even in the in the the, the back <laughs> backlog a little bit more. I haven't forgot about anybody. It keeps track for me of which ones I've sent out and which ones I still need to. And so I will get those sent out to you all. But thanks so much, Patreon supporters. And um, we did have a little Christmas special for our Patreon supporters. A, a Patreon exclusive episode where we just kind of got on and talked about. Christmas reading and, you know, movies movies and, you know, just, just fun. It was a lot of fun to have that come out on Christmas day. Uh, But again, thank you so much. And Paul, uh, one more question before we jump into our episode proper. What have you been reading? Yeah, I have really got off to a good start this year with my reading. I have read a couple of things. Um, One of them was kind of at the very end of December that kind of bled over into the beginning of January, which will make you and at least one other listener very happy, Ben O'Connell. I read Troubles by J.G. Farrell, and oh, it was everything that you both said it was. I absolutely loved it. It was just wonderful. It was something I read over a lot of the break when I was off work, and it was just a page turner, but also so, I don't know, just there was so much depth to it, and you ended up caring about all the characters so much and the house in particular, the hotel where they're living is like one of the most fascinating settings that I think I've ever come across in all of literature. It, I think I told you it reminded me a lot of kind of the Gormenghast castle with just these huge sprawling wings and all these dilapidated rooms. And oh man, it was just one of the most interesting places I've read about. So that took up a big chunk of my last couple of weeks. And I was only because I was reading it like at a fevered pitch, just it was really, really good. And then right after that, I picked up a book that I think I mentioned on our 2022 preview episode last year, which was George Saunders' collection, the newest one, Liberation Day. And huh, I mean, every time I talk about him, it's the same thing, but I'm a fanboy for sure. <laughs> I, I'm just unapologetically, I, I love what he does. And I, we've talked about, I recognize that sometimes to some people, it can seem kind of samey samey you know that he does a lot of the same stuff i do think in this one there is some of that where you can recognize his unique style or unique to him i guess i should say but again i feel like when he does it he does it so well that i'm just like you know why would i don't ever want him to stop doing it because it's not the same subject matter like some of the stylistic choices he makes are familiar but every time I feel like there's something so profound in the stories that he writes and, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I don't know. He doesn't only do that style that he's become known for. Like he does branch off, but when he returns to that, to me, I'm always just like, ah, he's just so good <laughs> at it. So yeah, I'm coming so that, around just so you mm-hmm. know, I, I've, I've been, re- I have that one too. Mm-hmm. And I've read a lot of those as they've shown up in the New Yorker and I have mm-hmm. kind of gotten back into the, 
into the flavor and looking forward to it. So good. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's great. Well, I think I've told you he's one of those authors where I enjoyed him. But then once I listened to the audio book, that's where even if I don't listen to the audio books afterwards, I can hear it in his voice. And that really helped me. And so I was actually thinking, um, even though I finished reading this one, I might check out the audio book from, you know, from the library through um, Libby or something like that and, and listen to it again. So anyway, those are, you know, kind of more recent reads. And then right now I am all things Scholastique Mukasonga. I've been kind of mm-hmm. carrying through all of her books. It's often really tough subject matter, which we will talk about more in our next episode, but she is just a beautiful, amazing writer. So, you know, it's been in some ways a dark start to the year as far as like what the subject matter is touching on, but also just so you know, beautiful and uh, powerful. Mm-hmm. And it's been a really good way to start the year. So that's kind of what I'm immersed in at the moment. Yeah, me too. Uh, Mukasanga is definitely on, you know, something I've been reading steadily. Mm-hmm. And yeah, dark stuff. But for listeners who might think, oh, maybe I'll check out one or two of her books or even all five of the ones that we have in English right now. There's a beauty to them that we'll get into, or at least a... I don't know. There's something beyond just, I, well, it, it's tough to, we'll, we'll get is. into how complicated it is to to try to say something like that can be beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so much love in her books yes, that yes. there's m- more than just a recounting of horrors. There's a, a memory, a memorialization. I, I, I will definitely be strongly recommending them in our mm-hmm. episode. But again, for listeners who maybe are on the fence or like, oh, I don't know if I can read about that. Uh, I'm with you. There's, it, it is, it is dark and horrific and awful and should never have happened and all of that. But there's a beauty to what she is doing in order to remember her family. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll just throw in real quickly, since we'll be talking about that in two weeks, there's still plenty of time if anybody listening wants to read one or two of them, mm-hmm. you know, before the episode, like the newest one that came out, Kabogo, is very slim. And they're I all like, slim. They're all yeah. slim. And I would say that one in particular is there is darkness in it, but it's not necessarily as dark as some of the other ones. So if somebody was looking for an entry point, that mm-hmm. could potentially be one that you could you could read ahead of our next episode if you're interested. So and just I didn't get a chance to say, but those Patreon supporters who helped get those couple of books for me, thank you so much. It's been wonderful. Um, so yeah, thank you. All right. Some other things I've been reading. Um, you know, a few week a few weeks ago, I said I was reading Brandon Sanderson's latest, mm-hmm. uh, the the Lost Metal, and you know, it was, I was uh, it's it's all right. It's pretty good, but it's not my favorite or anything like that. And you said, well, in a month or two, you'll have another one. And it's <laughs> arrived. You know, on on New Year's <laughs> night at like midnight, uh, we got the the first one of his year of Sanderson books, those secret novels that he wrote uh, during uh, lockdown. And it's called Tress of the Emerald Sea. And it's kind of like the, the princess bride in tone and in storytelling and in its wink, wink knowingness about mm-hmm. everything and, and addressing you, the reader um, often from the storyteller's perspective. And I was enjoying it so much that I stopped and went back and started it over so I could read it to my sons. And we're having a blast with that one, Paul. (laughs) I sent you a little, a little Mm -hmm. note on Slack with some of the, like saying, Hey, 
I don't know, just have this one in mind for, you know, your boys, because it's got a little bit of Alcatraz humor in it, mm-hmm. um, but it's still fairy tale esque and it, it's, it's been a lot of fun. I've been enjoying that one a lot. And I also have uh, started reading the graphic novels Heartstopper by Alice Osman. Hmm. Um, I don't know if you've heard of those. The, it's oh. basis of like a kind of a big Netflix series. It's um, an LGBTQIA plus uh, romance graphic novel about two boys in, in you know, I, I don't know what they would be called in their country. I think they're from Great Britain. Hmm. Um, but basically in high school, you know, for mm-hmm. Americans, they're 15, 16, 17 in that range and kind of dealing with their relationship. The thing that I'm loving about, I've read the first two now, the thing that I'm loving about it is it's so positive. You know, there's not self-loathing. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, things that you might expect to as a, as a piece of this pie, that you're getting um, there's questioning, there's curiosity, there's what, I don't know what I am necessarily. Um, but there's also the sense that they can embrace it and still be there and support one another from both them, family, friends, not everybody, of course, you know, but it's, it's, it's got its drama based on their romance so far and on oh, them nice. coming together and not based on, you know, it's still there, you know, bullying and all of that, but it's the, it's not the, it's not the the thing that you get the most of. And I I found it really positive and really, um, really nice. I just am am really into having this hope that, you know, Hey guys, just keep going. You guys are really good for each other. (laughs) Um, You you do care. You're, you're, you know, really supportive. (laughs) So really enjoying, enjoying, that and they're those are fast oh man I, you know they're 250 pages 300 pages but they're it's a graphic novel that you can get through it in you know 20 minutes yeah. <laughs> really not that long um in terms of all that uh but i'll probably read the third one here in the next uh, day or two and then the fourth one and then i think number five comes out in february i have no idea you know i just picked them up kind of on a whim at the library oh cool um the thing that's kind of frustrating, going back to our library episode, these are books that people keep challenging and wanting to get out of the libraries. Mm-hmm. Um, and parents tell their children they can't check them out. And so they get they get taken a lot, like hidden and or even removed. And I think people might be stealing them, whether it's the kids thinking, oh, I want to read this one, but I can't check it out. Or whether it's yeah. actual parents saying, I don't think the library should have this. I'm going yeah. to steal it and, and make my way the the way that you know i'm going to use theft in order to enforce morality i was gonna say that's the moral choice to steal it right um but man i've i'm just really glad that i picked him up um so far sound wonderful and like to your point about i know so much literature and you know even television and and film that touches on lgbtq you know areas of life tends to be so dark and, you know, mm-hmm. given the history, justifiably so in many cases, but I know that so many people have said that they would love to see more 
that was just positive and just showing that it's not all about the darkness and, and the challenges and the, you know, like you said, the bullying and things like that. So this sounds wonderful. Yeah. I'll have to check these out. They sound really it can good. still be about two people coming together and, and having their insecurities because mm-hmm. they don't know if the other person cares or, and they don't necessarily want to throw themselves out there. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. I'll have um, to check those out both for me. And I think my boys would both really enjoy those too. So yeah, thanks for telling me about those. Well, did you ever watch Schitt's Creek? Yeah. Oh, you know, the, the relationship it. between uh, David and Patrick. Oh yeah. It's kind Amazing. of feels like that to me. Just they're just trying to figure it out themselves and they're there for each other. And yeah. the, no, none of them are in the book here are like David. <laughs> He's his own thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, very, very good. And for sure, you know, there, there's the other reason that your parents get upset. There is language in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's nothing like every page they're, you know, going off, but um, there's, there is language, but I don't know. It's, yeah. I, I kind of want my kids to, to get to get through them someday too, you know, I right. think it's important exactly. to be able to see that this is, can be beautiful. Um, yeah. yeah that sounds uh, wonderful. And then the other book that I'm reading right now is actually maybe more part of my 2023 plans. So we can uh, kind of move on up. to that. Yeah. Do you want me just to, to go on that one? And sure. This, like, let's, like, let's transition into our 2023 preview. Uh, you know, what are we doing and all of that? plans and books and all of that. So uh, Kim McNeil on Twitter and on Instagram, (laughs) Joie Mm -hmm. de Vivre, is doing a cool 2023 reading, uh, group read, uh, buddy read, you know, kind of program that's focused around NYRB classics and in particular books written by women uh, that are published by NYRB classics. And the first one, we started it on January 1st, is Olivia Manning's School for Love, which I had. I bought it, uh, I think I got it for Christmas a year ago, uh, but, you know, hadn't read it yet, even though I was looking forward to it and all that. And that happened so often that I was, I saw this and thought, well, this will be my chance to read this. We're going to be finished on Tuesday, January 10th, and it's reading about 20 pages a day. You know, the book itself is only, you know, I think it's under 200 pages. Uh, but that has been so fun to participate in that. I have really loved the book. I've really loved the thought of, oh, I'm going to go on and, you know, do my little hashtag NYRB women 2020 or 23, um, uh, you know, update for the day, just, just because people are looking at that a little bit in this group and I'm just really excited about it. I, I thought, well, I'll start with, um, School for Love, but I probably won't participate the rest of the year. But now I'm thinking, oh, I'm I'm going to do this. I'm going to. There are 24 books. It's two per month. The next one is Leonora Carrington's The Hearing Trumpet, which I've already read, and that's one of the reasons why I thought, well, I'm I won't participate throughout the whole year. But I'd like to reread The Hearing Trumpet now that I know what The Hearing Trumpet is about. You know, the first time I read it, I was disoriented for the first, you know, 198 pages of its 200 pages. (laughs) That's what I was going to say, for the first 99%. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that um, that will be fun to reread. We're starting that one on January 14th, so about the time this episode comes out. And then we've got Vicky Baum's Grand Hotel, which Jackie uh, talked about on our Hotels episode. 
Yeah. Dorothy Baker's A Young Man with a Horn, Dorothy B. Hughes's uh, In a Lonely Place, which I love. You know, again, a lot of these I've I've read, but some of them I haven't. And the ones that I have, they're definitely ones that I would like to reread. And so it's two per month throughout the year. Uh, hashtag NYRB Women 23. And Kim has put together the schedule in a little graphic and um, both the year-long schedule as well as the here's the school for love schedule and I'm just having a great time with it. And uh, like I say, I'm looking forward to reading these 24 books. There probably will come a time when life gets in the way and I get behind and, Mm -hmm. and that derails something, but I'm also trying to figure out a way to not be derailed as much. And I'll talk about that in a minute when we talk about other reading plans and kind of thoughts going into 2023 but yeah. School for Love is is so. I've I still don't know what it, what where we're going with anything in it. Mm. It's just about some people, um, a young man who is uh, kind of a refugee. He's lost both his dad and his mom. He lived in Iraq. Uh, that's where his dad was killed, and then his mom died of typhoid, and so he had nowhere to go. Doesn't really have a chance to go back to England because the war is going on. So he ends up staying with an aunt. It's not really his aunt, but you know, a family relation, uh, friend in a way, uh, Miss Bohan in, um, Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And so it takes place there in this almost a boarding house. This could probably be a boarding house, you know, novel. And, and I might've thrown it in on our episode with Kim or sorry, yeah. with Jackie. <laughs> so very, very interesting, great tone. You know, you know, Olivia Manning, from mm-hmm. the Balkan trilogy and the Levant trilogy. She's so good. And she's amazing. This is, this is one I would recommend too. That's awesome. Well, I, I have Kim to thank for getting me into both of those trilogies because mm-hmm. it was one of her wonderful groups that got me inspired to do it. And so oh, I remember yeah, that we had to wrestle you down and basically put the book in front of your face. You on did. <laughs> I know it's true. I got to see the dark side of book Twitter. No, it was all done with love. It was like an intervention that was much needed. Um, no, those books are wonderful. And and the funny thing is I actually got school for love this year for Christmas and I have not been able to work it out to, to join that mm-hmm. part yet. Just due to some other things that I'll talk about um, here in a minute, including other <laughs> reading uh, groups that I'm involved with. But <laughs> I will say that, looking at Kim's list, man, so many amazing books and I'd read some of them, but a lot of them I haven't read and many of them I do own. So I will absolutely be, I don't know that I'll, you know, follow it book by book, but I will be dipping in and out throughout the year. And I think that's the perfect thing about the way she's organized it. And she's always so well organized is it seems like it's set up, like you said, two books per month, where if life does get in the way, you can either catch up or you could just opt out of one or two books for a while and then jump back in. So what a fun project to do and something to look forward to this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. And they're not all fiction. Most of them are. But we also have the Iris Origo uh, books. That's the her war diaries. Mm. Um, those are for April. So uh, those are going to be exciting. There's some short story collections, things like that as well in, in this reading list. So exciting yeah, stuff. Great, yeah, what a great list. Well, Any, I will. What, you, yeah, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I'll use that to segue into my book club that I uh, am going to be involved in. And one of the reasons I haven't been able to jump on <laughs> that one yet. Um, so as no listener will be surprised to hear, you know, Thomas Mann, 
big fan here. You know, the Magic Mountain a few years back was one of my books of the year, and it's really turned into one of my favorite books ever. Um, and so I've been kind of slowly collecting his other books, you know, whenever I see one, you know, I'll grab it or whatever. And so I was at a used bookstore, you know, I think it was probably in November or maybe October. And I saw this beautiful everyman edition of Joseph and his brothers, which is one that it's not hard to find, but it's not one that you see pop up quite as regularly. And so until um, now, now I see it all the time. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Now it's everywhere. Um, so yeah, anyway, I saw that posted something on Twitter, you know, here's, here's all the books I got at the bookstore and kind of organically, this group of people came together and started talking about Joseph and his brothers and this, this plan, this grand plan for 2023 kind of formed. And so there's a group of people, probably six or eight, I would say, um, who are planning on reading Joseph and his brothers over the entire course of 2023. And it's something like, I don't know if it's 1500 pages or something. So it's broken up into seemingly manageable chunks. We'll see how it goes. Um, and so anyway, yeah, that's one of my big plans that will take, you know, the entire course of the year. And same thing, that's, it's very well organized. The group has come up with a nice schedule, seems very doable. Um, and so, yeah, I'll admit here publicly, as of this recording, I have not actually started. I'm already a little behind in January. But as I've said, with these kind of projects, for me, it's always more about the spirit of it. I'm not going to ever let it turn into like a mm-hmm. me out. So, you know, I'll, I'll catch up and, and read, you know, if there's a time where I have to read ahead or anything like that, I'm, I'm always willing to do that. But I am very excited about this. I, I know some of the people in the group are a little intimidated and I can understand why, but I don't know. I tend to, like I've said, with some of these difficult books or, or these ones that have the reputation for being difficult. I think usually if you can just find a way in and just kind of not stress about it and just, just chip away or let it flow over you or however you want to say it. So many of these have turned into some great experiences in my life. So, you know, I don't want to put too much pressure on this one, but I do feel like it could be at the very least a a very cool way to spend the years, just Mm -hmm. reading something for the entire course of a year. I don't know that I've ever done that before. So I think that's really cool. Um, And I don't know a whole lot about that book. Does it take place? I mean, I know Joseph and his brothers, I'm assuming it's, uh, Joseph, uh, who was sold into Egypt. Is that right? And his, that's my understanding. I'll be honest. I don't know that much about it either. Um, I was wondering if it actually is like a parable, like bringing that, like, let's say James Joyce's Ulysses, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's rooted in, in the Odyssey, but it's about modern day Dublin. No, Um, it's definitely set. I mean, I, I know that it is set. I'll just, you know, cheat real fast. It says, um, Man regarded his monumental retelling of the biblical story of Joseph as his magnum opus. Hmm. He conceived of the four parts, the stories of Jacob, young Joseph, Joseph in Egypt, and Joseph the provider as a unified narrative, a quote, mythological novel of Joseph's fall into slavery and his rise to be Lord over Egypt. Deploying lavish, persuasive detail, man conjures for us the world of patriarchs and pharaohs, the ancient civilizations of Egypt, Mesopotamia, and Palestine, and the universal force of human love in all its beauty desperation, absurdity, and pain. So hmm. yeah, it definitely is. I th- I thought it was, but I, d- I was afraid to go on record. <laughs> so I cheated. <laughs> Thanks, Amazon. But, that, that works. That works. Yeah, no, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's 1,492 pages. So I think, um, you know, it's it's going to be fun. It's it's like I said, I've never done anything quite that far reaching for over the course of an entire year. But one thing I like about it is, is kind of the breadth of that. And that, then I also like, how that will enable me to, you know, read that, whatever it is, 100, 200 pages per month, but then have 
plenty of other time to read other things. So yeah, yeah, I'll report back throughout the year. And I'm sure that those who follow the group, you know, on Twitter, even if they're not joining can kind of see how it's going and everything. So it'll be fun. Well, I'll piggyback just a little bit. I don't, I don't have a lot of year long goals and I'll tell I'll talk about why here in just a little bit, but one of my goals is the magic mountain. Thanks to you, you know, happy Christmas from Paul. He got me the magic (laughs) mountain, which I also got him (laughs) in the different translation than what he has. I wasn't just like, Oh, Paul likes this book. He's talked about a lot and has, I'll get him it again. (laughs) Yeah. Another copy. (laughs) Yes. there, There was a reason behind it. Uh, but I'm very excited to, to dig in and start that one. I haven't yet because of Mukasanga. I don't mm-hmm. want it to get in the way. I don't want them to kind of compete for my attention right now. Yeah. And I, I don't, I really want to get um, all of Mukasanga's my attention for that kind of stuff. And then set up a schedule to read the magic mountain over, you know, over the next few months, once I'm done with those books and I'm almost done with Mukasanga's books and, mm-hmm. you know, be preparing for that episode. I won't, I won't feel that same pressure to, kind of not allow something else to to distract me and then kind of get into that weird sense of which one of these do I want to read? Well, both, but neither now because it's I've wasted too much time trying to figure right. out which to read. <laughs> exactly. No, so. Mukasonga, same thing. That's kind of what, what I, why, I've, why I've been holding off on both, you know, the Thomas Mann and like I said, not necessarily jumping into mm-hmm. some other things is because it just feels like it, deserves that yes. tension and respect. Um, plus it's, that's it, not like it's an obligation. It's, they're also beautiful and ve- yes. very compelling. So it's not a chore by any means. It's, it's wonderful. So, but yeah, that's the same thing is I, I kind of feel like I want to set aside this time and focus on her and then I can start branching out, but I'm really excited to hear that you're going to start that. I'm always, it's too late now. I, I was going to say, I'm always nervous to over hype something and set the standards <laughs> too high, but there's nothing I could say now that would fool you to, into not thinking that I, you know, <laughs> right. love this book beyond. I think beliefs. Paul Paul enjoyed this one, and, and yeah, maybe, maybe most of the rest of the world has too. You know, right? Yeah, so, exactly. someone gave him a prize at one point. <laughs> so, yeah, well, that'll be fun. I'll if be... I don't like it, it'll be entirely because of my own weird idiosyncratic <laughs> tendencies and idiotic tendencies. So, oh, no. <laughs> as always, no pressure. It's all about fun, and and I, of course, hope yes. you do love it. But if not, there will be no judgment. <laughs> no disappointment, but uh, I, yeah. I am very excited about it. Well, cool. we've also beyond our goals, and we'll keep peppering in things like that. Mm-hmm. We, we we've been talking about books that are coming out in 2023 that we're looking forward to. Be- before we get into those, I do want to say one bright book uh, with mm-hmm. uh, Rebecca, Dorian, and Francis. They put out an episode of what books they're looking forward to in 2023. It's an excellent episode several of the ones they talk about would be on my list today. Like Brian Dillon's affinities mm-hmm. can't wait um, for that. I actually have a, a, a copy, like an early copy of that one. Oh, nice. And so I guess I can wait, but I have started reading it and I, I just love suppose a sentence and essayism and affinities is, is great too. He's, he's he just basically starts, you know, he, he doesn't ever beat around the bush, but he has such a compelling way of being like, so one day I was trying to figure out why is it that I'm drawn to certain things? You know, that's kind of the way that this book starts. And awesome. he's so you know much more articulate than that even. Uh, but it's, it's very good. And I'm excited to get through that one. 
and Andre Bosco's The Child in the River coming out from NYRB Classics. I loved Maliqua that came out a couple of years ago, right at the beginning of lockdowns when I was reading Maliqua. Mm-hmm. And man, I loved that book. I understand this one's a little bit different, but then I, I just want to read more of his his work. So yeah. the, uh, they re- mentioned a few other ones. There's more Kate Zambrano coming out this mm-hmm. year. Um, at any rate, I, I want to make sure that we point out that this has, of course, been done by many places, but their tastes align with ours a lot. And I do. don't necessarily didn't feel the need to uh, duplicate what they've what they've put. I'll just refer people over to their episode. Yeah, it's a great uh, idea. I love that episode, too. And I was trying to remember, I don't think any of the ones I'll talk about today. There might be a little. They are. Yeah. yeah, there might be a little carryover. But um, if so, like you said, it's because. We all have such good taste. That's all there is to it. That's yeah. Yes. <laughs> Everyone would love every one of these books. The, and one other thing that I think we're we're both trying to do is keep this more toward the front half of the year because mm-hmm. we don't know yet what's coming out at the end of the year that we will be looking forward to. So I think we're going to do another episode come mid year. Yeah. For the the last half of the year, I mean, I know a few things, and so I'm going to cheat a little bit and just get people excited for that episode. We have the maniac by Benjamin Labatut mm. of of When We Cease to Understand the World fame coming out in October. Uh, we have The Door of No Return by David Diop, uh, translated by Sam Taylor, uh, coming out in September. Um, we have another a new novel by Lauren Groff, The Vaster Wilds. I don't know when this one's coming out. It, it, I think it's coming out from Riverhead sometime at the end of the year. <clears throat> There's a new collection of stories from Tessa Hadley, and you will have another chance, Paul, to see if you can get on the Zadie Smith train. Oh, she has go. a new novel coming out called The Fraud in September. Nice. So a few that I probably will come up on that later episode, and I thought, well, let's give a flavor, but now let's focus maybe a little bit more on the front front end of the year where we do know what's coming out you know, between now and June or the early part of July. I yeah. say that because I've got one in the early part of July. <laughs> oh, see, you're cheating already. Just cheat, just a little bit. I think you'll appreciate it. I think you'll appreciate my cheat. <laughs> okay, I'm sure I will. Yeah, and I, I like we didn't put any strict rules, but I, I think the first one that I was going to mention is like right on the border because it comes out on June 6th, hmm. and this is all. Hopefully, it comes out on June 6th because it was actually supposed to come out last year. Yeah. And it keeps getting bumped. And it's Miss Macintosh, My Darling by Marguerite mm, Young yep. from Dalkey. Um, Yeah, originally supposed to come out last year. And my understanding is that it keeps getting bumped back largely due to kind of like some lingering supply chain issues and the fact that it's such a monster. Another yeah, a big one. I think it's like 1,200 pages. And, you know, this book has kind of taken on this almost like mythic status, you know, among certain parts of the Internet. And so I've been like fascinated by you know chris via who we talk about sometimes over at least mm-hmm. my leaf did a wonderful episode where he really dug into it and read some sections of it and you know there's just so much kind of underground buzz about this book um and it's been out of print and so hard to find copies or ridiculous amounts of money to to find online and so i know there's a lot of excitement it's not just me um about this release and everybody's kind of watching those publication dates hoping it doesn't get bumped again um but as of now it says june 6th and i'll just give a really quick Summary, it says, this novel is one of the most ambitious and remarkable literary achievements of our time. It is a picaresque psychological novel, a novel of the road, a journey or voyage of the human spirit in its search for reality in a world of illusion and nightmare. It is an epic of what might be called the Arabian Nights of American life, 
Marguerite Young's method is poetic, imagistic, incantatory. In prose of extraordinary richness, she tests the nature of her characters and the nature of reality. So I'm all over that. I'm, I'm yeah. just, you know, counting the days and, and hoping that it'll stay at June 6th. I'll pre-order a copy <laughs> and be ready to go. Thalke was on our list of questions for 2022. Yeah. And I would say that we're still kind of waiting for the full resurgence, but they definitely mm-hmm. had some books pop out over the year that uh, are very promising. And, and this was one that I'm looking forward to as well. Yeah. Uh, it's so nice. I know that they've faced, you know, just due to like so many publishers, there, there's other bigger issues going on, but it sure seems like they're taking those steps that they had kind of hoped to do of getting things more organized and, and more public. And like I said, the website now is gorgeous. And, you know, I think big steps have been taken last year and I assume that it'll continue to happen this year. It seems like they're in very good hands. So mm-hmm. yeah, lots of good books from them coming out. If anybody wants to kind of peruse, I think I mentioned at least one more in this episode in a little bit. So, <laughs> well, one that I'll bring up will be no surprise, but we finally have a publication date for the late Javier Marias's last novel, Tomas yes. Nevinson. It comes out in May from Knopf. Uh, it's going to be 656 pages. At least that's oh. what it is on, on here. It might, you know, sometimes those page counts don't, aren't completely accurate, but they're right. never off by too far. <laughs> mm. um, this is kind of in the same world as a lot of his novels, but in particular Berta Isla, where Tomas was uh, was a character. And so I've been looking forward to this for years now, um, since reading Berta Isla. I'll probably reread Berta Isla just in preparation for this, because I really enjoyed that one. And also we'll, we, we've been planning on doing uh, an episode dedicated to Javier Marias, probably mm-hmm. episode 55. Uh, that's going to be here quite quickly. <laughs> I know. Uh, we, we may, I'll look and see when this all lines up. If, if, if it hasn't, if it hasn't, if episode 55 is before this date, maybe we rearrange some things to make sure we have both at least had a chance to hold this book in right. our hands, if not even read it and, and be able to have it part of that conversation. But at any rate, that one is one I'm really looking forward to. Translated as as his work is by the great Margaret Jules Costa. Uh, I just, I you know, bittersweet. Yeah. It's probably, unless he had something in the works that was almost done, this is it. Yeah. You know, this is the last book we're getting from Javier Marias. And I always, you know, I, I'll troll Spanish publication sites. I, I, I don't need to do that anymore because he's the only author that mm-hmm. I looked at to see when when's his next one coming out in Spain because yeah. then I know that in a year or two we'll be getting it in English uh, but anyway this like one said, go back to the spy world and uh, nice. I'm just just excited for it um, and then I, we can all start rereading and enjoying that part of it <laughs> well that's one area like like you said with that planned episode I didn't mention that in my 2023 reading plans but he will be a big part of my reading plans because even outside of the fact that we're doing that episode, he is a little bit of a blind spot for me. I've read A Heart So White and that's all. And so it's not for lack of interest. It's just one of those, you know, how it is. Like yeah. sometimes there's just other things that, too. Huh? Yeah. And so anyway, yeah, I'm looking forward to to digging into more of his books this year. And that one does sound great. Do you know, I assume given the timing of everything and his, his unfortunate death, this was one that was already slated for publication. It's not any kind of like, 
you know. This was published in Spain. Okay, yeah. In 2019, right. 20, exactly. okay. 20 maybe even. But mm-hmm. yeah, this has been out. That's why I kind of wonder, you know, yeah. based on his writing, there, there's a possibility he had another book in uh, being edited or something like that, mm-hmm. that maybe they'll figure out a way to publish. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't heard anything on that front, but there is a possibility because this didn't just come out in Spain in spain but yeah and he seemed like he was a fairly regular mm-hmm. um publisher you know like his stuff would come out every couple know, of years he wasn't one of those like Susanna clark where it was every 10 years or anything so right. maybe yeah that would be fun hopefully very cool well the next one i had on my list was um one that i've heard a lot about it was as so often happens something will come out in australia or the uk you know a year ahead of when we would get it here and so you hear all this buzz and you drool about it. And I'm sure I could have gotten a hold of it somehow, but I don't have to worry about it anymore because coming out later this year um, on March 21st from Europa is Monument Maker by David Keenan. I don't know if you've heard about this one, Trevor, but it sounds really fascinating. No. It's um, it just keeps coming up. I, you know, it's, I first heard about it on the Beyond the Zero podcast and he had the author on talking about his book and also some of his favorite books. And this guy is just so fascinating to listen to. For one thing, he has a wonderful Scottish brogue, very thick. But outside of that, he's very clearly a super intelligent guy. And and again, I'll just kind of read a quick summary. It says, an epic romance set in an eternal summer and a descent into history and the errors of the past. A novel with a sweep and range that runs from the siege of Khartoum and the conquest of Africa in the 19th century through the Second World War and up to the present day, where the memories of one summer and an unforgettable love affair unravel. A book within a book, a meditation on art and religion, and on what it means to make monuments. So that Hmm, description alone sounds really good to me. And then just hearing kind of those who have read it just rave about it. So yeah, I'm very excited. Um, I'd already had it kind of on my keep an eye out for it. I don't think I would ever find it stateside in like a used library, or I mean a used bookstore or anything, but you know, I was hoping to track it down and then I saw that Europe is going to publish it here. So I was pretty excited about that. (laughs) Well, my next one that I'm looking forward to uh, kind of keep us in the Scotland uh, realm, even though I I don't actually know if the book is set in Scotland, uh, but I think you'll, you'll catch on why it's Eleanor Catton's Burnham Mm. Wood (laughs) comes out in March from FSG and, you know, Burnham Wood, of course, I mean, here's the little blurb. Burnham Wood is on the move. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. a kind of a, a fun reference to Macbeth. I don't actually know very much more about this book. I've just been looking forward to it. It's got a great cover uh, that I think is really fun. And I do have a copy of this one, but I'm actually, I actually never read The Luminaries. I didn't either. It's, it's, it's long. And at the time I was always really excited about it. It takes place in a time period. I'm, I like to read books set in mm-hmm. and I just never got to it. So I'm going to read that one and then, and then do Burnham Wood is my plan. Nice. But this is really interesting. Five years ago, Mara Bunting founded a guerrilla gardening group. Do these things exist or is this just from the mind of Eleanor Catton? I don't know. Uh, I've never been invited to join a guerrilla gardening group. Uh, and they call it Burnham Wood. An undeclared, unregulated, sometimes criminal, sometimes philanthropic gathering of friends This activist collective plants crops wherever no one will notice, on the sides of roads, in forgotten parks, and neglected backyards. For years, the group has struggled to break even. Then Mira stumbles on an answer, a way to finally set the group up for the long term 
a landslide has closed the Korawi, Korawi Pass, cutting off the town of Thorndike. Natural disaster has created an opportunity, a sizable farm seemingly abandoned. And it goes into why, you know, this might not be as good as a thing. There's a, an American uh, billionaire who also wants this farmland. I, I don't know. I, it, yeah. just, it sounds so weird, but it says a gripping psychological thriller, um, Shakespearean in its drama and Austinian in its wit. So, Ooh. you know, they, they know yeah. how to sell it for sure. They do. <laughs> is that one another monster? Because I know that the Luminaries no. was huge. No, okay. it's, it is it is not. that Well, relative to the Luminaries, no. This has 432 pages is the page. Oh, yeah. um, it's basically uh, a novella. Yeah, yeah. It's, this is one of the <laughs> short ones for the year. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I'm excited about that one. Again, comes out in March from FSG. And I'm, I'm wondering if she'll hit you know, strike lightning twice now. Yeah. So. March is shaping up to be a good month. There's lots of yeah. them that, that I saw. Well, do you want to want me to do one more or do you want to switch sure. back and talk a little? Okay. So I'll, I'll hit another donkey and it actually comes out in March as well. And actually on the same day as Monument Maker that I just referenced, it is the Garden of Seven Twilights by Mikhail de Palo and translated by Adrian Nathan West. So this is another one of those as I was kind of perusing down the donkey website but then also i've noticed on twitter it's starting to get a lot of buzz i think it's another another big one but how's this for a a teaser as if borges wrote the decameron i mean that's pretty much all i need to say right i don't know it sounds good so yeah nearly 900 pages actually um man (laughs) so again i'll just read it quick it says during an atomic alarm in barcelona in the year 2025 the 30 year old hero takes refuge in a luxurious mansion in the mountains where he's put up along with other guests awaiting the outcome of the conflict for the following seven days the residents of the mansion spend their spare time reading and taking walks and above all telling stories to each other I mean, that just sounds amazing to me. I've yeah. had the Decameron for years and I remember reading bits of it back in college and I've always wanted to actually, you know, read the whole thing. And this does sound, you know, at least by that little blur, very reminiscent and probably directly, you know, indirectly based on it. Um, but what a cool concept. And like I said, that one, just every time I look through their catalog, that one keeps popping out to me. Cool. So March 21st could be a, a big book mail day <laughs> you need to take off the month of uh, april <laughs> exactly it's a great month to take off work anyway <laughs> sure Beautiful. i like that idea <laughs> well let me throw out one more this is my cheat it comes out july 4th from okay. echo this is uh well let, let's just see how does this sound to you bob comet is a retired librarian passing his solitary days surrounded by books and small comforts in a mint colored house in portland oregon One morning on his daily walk, he encounters a confused elderly woman lost in a market and returns her to the senior center that is her home. Hoping to fill the void he's known since retiring, he begins volunteering at the center. Here, as a community of strange peers gathers around Bob and following a happenstance brush with a painful complication from his past, the events of his life and the details of his character are revealed. Hmm. Anyway... This is Patrick DeWitt of the Sisters Brothers fame. Ah. Uh, his book called The Librarianist. Uh, I haven't read any more Patrick DeWitt other than the Sisters Brothers. I really liked it, but I didn't read like French Exit. Um, I think he has a couple more even. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm interested in this. I, 
it's very different from the Sisters Brothers, unless it turns very. into kind of an ultra-violent uh, <laughs> Western all of a sudden. I don't, it could, but, um, you know, I, I kind of like that that setup, and I I've, I've trust him on the basis of the Sisters Brothers uh, regardless, so yeah. I'm interested in that one. That does sound really good. I don't, that one wasn't on my radar at all, so I'm glad you mentioned it. The, at least, like you said, the setup of it <laughs> sounds wonderful, so very cool. We'll see how well, it goes. Yeah. Well, I'll skip back and, and talk about, you know, we'll switch back to plans for a little while for the year. You mentioned Burnham Wood. So that reminded me of one of my big goals for this year is to kind of restart, reinvigorate my Shakespeare project that I talked about last year. Um, you know, originally I'd hoped to read a play a month or so over the course of 2022. And I started off strong. You know, I, I read Macbeth and Othello and The Winter's Tale over the first three or four months of the year. But, you know, as so often happens with these types of projects, I kind of got distracted and it got lost in the shuffle, but I was really enjoying it. I was listening to, you know, audio versions while I was reading the plays, which was a wonderful way to do it. Um, So I'd like to get started again this year. I don't know that I will hold it necessarily to the once a month thing, but, you know, something fairly regular, maybe even once a quarter or something like that. And so... The ones that I have kind of on my radar for the next little bit would be King Lear, Hamlet, mm-hmm. A Midsummer's Night Dream, maybe The Tempest, or Much to Do About Nothing. So, you know, I'm trying to hit, not that he has any that aren't well known, but we talked a little bit about how you could, you know, if you go online, there's so many theories and ways to which order to read them in, how to do it. And you can do it by geography or time period or all these different things. And I've been taking a much more kind of serendipitous approach and just whatever kind of draws my interest um, and sounds good at the time. So, you know, we'll see how that goes, but mm-hmm. I, I was kind of sad looking back on 2022 to, to realize that you know, <laughs> I knew that it hadn't carried throughout, throughout the year, but I think it was April when I read the last one. So there was a big gap. I would like to get that going again. Cause it was a lot of fun. So that's I, one of my big plans. I love that goal and all of the ones that you mentioned there i i think you'll love each and every one of them yeah i know i've read king lear i've read ham i mean i guess i've read a lot of those so several of them will be rereads maybe maybe most of them but it's been so long that Mm -hmm. i think that that's not a bad thing and i don't know yeah so anyway it's been a it was so much fun and and it's just you know not that this needs to be said by me but every time you reread shakespeare you're just blown away by yeah. Many things, but one of them is just how relevant and modern and realistic the characters continue to be and how they remind you of people you know or people that are, you know, in the news or whatever the case may be. It's just amazing how some of these works can transcend time and continue to do so. Well, and you talk about rereading them as a good thing. Uh, the last time I read Hamlet was 2016. I, I know because that's when I was doing that Shakespeare group. Mm-hmm. And that's when we were meeting. I remember uh, a lot about that, the end of that year and going through that, those, those plays. I'm due for a reread of, of all of them that we read during that time. We read A Midsummer Night's Dream. We read <clears throat> Much Ado About Nothing. We read Twelfth Night and, you know, various other ones. I can't remember all of them right now, but I could reread any one of them right now and still feel that same giddy um, thrill of this is pretty fun and, and mm-hmm. cool stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, I've been thinking about my own goals. I did terrible with my 2022 reading plans or, you know, intentions that we talked about last year. Terrible. 
Uh, terrible, 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 terrible. But at the end of the year, we did our kind of winter reading episode, and I did amazing. I read every single one of those books over the next few weeks. Yeah, that was and I thought, amazing. What what was that? Why did that happen? And I don't know for sure, but here's what I'm going to chalk it up to. I don't do well with long, you know, kind of out in the future goals, mm-hmm. but I do pretty good with what am I going to read today? And so I thought, you know what? I don't want to put together a TBR list or a to read list. Mm-hmm. I need a today list. Oh, <laughs> this I like is that. what I'm, this is what I'm going to pick up today. And this is what I'm going to pick up next. And I'm okay doing that over the, you know, a course of maybe a week or two having here's my here's what I'm reading today meaning you know next or something like that but that's how I've got to kind of do this it's been great mentally because I put the book on the today list and I'm going to start it next or or today you know depending mm-hmm. on where I'm at mm-hmm. I put it on the to read list and what happens is by the time it could come around to reading it it's no longer the book that I want to read or more books have shown up in the mail or you and I have had another podcast episode that is just completely, you know, <laughs> derailed all of my other reading intentions. Right. And I kind of want this to be the way that helps me get through more of my rainy day books. Mm. Those books that I've been mm. saving for the time when I apparently have nothing else to read or nothing else to do. Which yeah. I don't know, Paul. I don't know if that's ever going to happen. <laughs> right. And so right. I've got to figure out a way to get two more of these books and stop putting them off just because something else is coming out or something else is on my, you know, TBR list that now I'm not interested in. But I can't I can't read Dr. Thorne yet from Trollope because I've, you know, that wasn't part of my reading plan. So to mm-hmm. end up reading, you know, who knows what, nothing from my my intentions list and not these rainy day books. And it's not like that's a bad thing, but I I kind of wanted a way to not have a specific goal, but to have the goal of being more intentional in what's next, you know, more thoughtful in what's next. That's why the magic mountain, I feel comfortable putting it on here because I'll probably be able to get through all of the Mukasanga books, if not this weekend over the next week. And that's the book I'm picking up when I'm through that project. And so I, you know, other books will show up and I'm going to try and make it a scheduled thing, kind of like, you know, with a school for love, something that helps me have a goal per day Mm -hmm. as I'm going through it so that I don't let, it's easier for me not to be distracted if I have, oh, I I only need to read 20 pages today um, in order to stay on track. I don't need to finish the book today <laughs> yeah. and I don't need to finish it before I read this book that just showed up, you know? So those are, those are some things I'm trying to figure out that are maybe not, you know, as fun um, to discuss as, as a list of, you know, books that I'm going to read or plays or, or poems or short stories over the course of 2023. But I feel like this was an important way for me to, conceptualize this and I'm looking forward to it because I am going to read Dr. Thorne this year (laughs) and I need to make sure that I can throw it on my today list pretty soon. So I love that. No, I I love that a lot. That's, that's perfect. And when you do, you know, assign yourself those like magic mountain, if you kind of parcel it out and have a Mm -hmm. schedule, do you allow yourself some grace as far as like, if you are, just carried away like how oh yes strictly sure. do you hold yourself because that's yeah that's what i was gonna say for me at least 
one of the secrets to doing a, a something like that is if it turns into an assignment, assigned reading, and or if like I'm just loving it and it's like, oh, that's the end of that chapter, and I'm not can't read to anymore till next tomorrow. Week. <laughs> yeah, I that, I that doesn't work for me. So yeah, I was just curious. I assume you'll give yourself some flexibility there. Yes, for sure, especially on the Magic Mountain. Now the the thing you know, going back to school for love. I could easily finish that book today. We don't have that much more, but it's right. not scheduled to finish until Tuesday. And okay. I've been, I even in my tweet yesterday, I said, do I just finish this thing this weekend or do I dole it out until Tuesday? Because a part of it is I finish it and there is something fun. And I think it's because the book is short, but there is something fun to shutting it and thinking, oh, tomorrow I get to do more. That's, That's kind true. of been fun yeah. uh, that way. But I don't know if it would be fun if it weren't really close to the end. <laughs> right. Like if it were, oh, I can finish this uh, you know, in March. Um, no, I, I definitely want to give myself that that grace to to read forward and and all of that. But I also want the plan. You know, someday I'm mm-hmm. gonna read Proust, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and oh, this is will. probably how I'm going to have to do it. Yeah. So. I love that. That's really cool. Well, I'll be curious to see how that works for you. It's it's one of the fascinating things, and it's not even like it's a lifetime thing because we changed our the way we view things or like how busy we are, different things in our life change. But I do think it's fascinating as a reader to kind of see at different times in your life what works and what you get mm-hmm. excited about yeah. and what helps you. You mentioned those rainy day books. I mean, I don't know what finally prompted me. I mean, I know it was the combined efforts of you and Ben and many others talking about JG Farrell. And, but I mean, I had, I remember posting something probably seven years ago. I bet you it was when I got all three of those books from archipelago in this nice brown paper package. And it was right around NYRB classics or I'm sorry, NYRB classics. Yeah. <laughs> and they were all in this, you know, nice brown paper <laughs> and opening them up and being so excited. And then years later I had not read them. And, and there's something so fun and exciting about, it's so easy to get swept up in all the brand new books or, or the latest mm-hmm, buzz, yeah. but going back and finding so much value in one of those books that you've been saving and kind of revering on your shelf. And then it turns out to be everything you hoped it would be. I mean, that was just so wonderful. It's such a wonderful experience. So I like that idea of making sure you continue to, you know, go back and find those books and don't let them just get lost in the shuffle. Well, you are good at that. I think the issue is that we have a lot of rainy day books. They, they, <laughs> they build up over time. And even if you're getting through uh, one of those every month, you're still haunted by the ones that you're not reading and feeling like you're being negligent when you're not. Um, But it is so much fun to be able to sit down and, and not always be, Oh, I need to read all these other books that just came out before I can go back and read these books I've had on the shelf for 10 years or something like that. But exactly. to figure out ways to work them in, and you're better at that than I am. But I'm learning thanks to uh, thanks uh, to you. So I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> oh sure, I don't know if I can take credit, but I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I mean that I brought up you. <laughs> <laughs> that brought up two things. So I'll, I'll kind of touch on them maybe in a row here. So one of them, not directly related to books, you know, your idea of of how you're going to read is one of the things that I was thinking about. I've talked a little bit about this on the podcast, but. I want to do a better job of of taking notes and slowing down and you know jotting down some thoughts about the books I'm reading cuz it's so easy to just get swept away and then move on to the next one and this podcast has helped a lot because we get a chance to actually talk about these books so they they stick and I remember things that I wouldn't necessarily have remembered 
But a while back you had sent me, I, I think we had talked about this and you had mentioned there were some like specific highlighters and little tabs and things that you've used over the years. Mm-hmm. And so I had written those down and my wife actually got me some of those highlighters and some of those tabs for Christmas. And so that's one of my goals for this year is I'm still working out how to do it. You know, not that there's like a prescribed method, but I've gotten better over the last couple months of baby steps. I wrote in pencil in some of my books. <laughs> that way I can erase it if I get a panicky moment and need the pure page. But um, yeah, so I, I'm i going to try to do a better job of highlighting, taking notes, slowing down, using tabs, you know, within the book and things like that. You know, again, second Chris Via reference in this episode, but I don't know if you've ever seen some of his videos where he has these big monster mm-hmm. books and they're just filled with all these different tabs. And I think he has like systems he uses. And like, I don't know the way my mind works if I'd ever get down to like color coding mm-hmm. the tabs or anything like that. But I do think that there's a lot to be said of just the value of really engaging more deeply with the books you're reading. Yeah, And you can do that in lots of ways. But for me this year, one of the ways I want to do that is you know, keeping a little notebook next to the bedside where I can jot down notes and maybe writing some notes or at the very least underlining or putting stars within the book, you know, and tabs and things like that. So I still think potentially we could do a whole, a whole episode on this. Someday. I do too. I think it would be fun. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, that's kind of just my general way of saying I would like to, I've seen a lot of people say they want to slow down in their reading this year. That's not necessarily what I'm saying here. Like I understand what they're saying and I can see the value in that for sure. Um, but at the very least, even if I'm not necessarily slowing down purposefully, it's just the idea of, of making sure that you're fully engaging and, and, you know, taking notes and doing some things that'll make it stick. It helps. Yeah. The sticking part. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Even with school for love, I've been, trying to find a passage every chapter, every other chapter that I just really like and highlighting it. Just, just that because Mm -hmm. it's so much easier to go back and, and remember those moments. And then the book kind of comes to life again. And it's been really nice. And with the Mukasanga books, I've been, you know, there I'm getting out my, um, my kind of gray pen. It almost Mm -hmm. looks like pencil, but it's pen. Um, And then, you know, my, my cool colored tabs that I like the color of and, and that's just a fun project in and of itself. While I'm reading, I tend to like take a picture mm-hmm. and then I sit down afterwards and do my highlighting. Nice. And it's kind of a fun way to re revisit things. And sometimes I'm like, why did I take a picture of that? I did. right now it's not there. And other times, you know, it's so nice to, to realize I went back to it because it probably would have, you know, had I not gone back to highlight it, I would have loved it in the moment. And right. they never thought about it again. <laughs> exactly. Now, it's funny you say that because I take pictures of pages too. And sometimes I'll highlight them on my phone, mm-hmm. you know, just as a way to remind myself. But when I'm scrolling back through my photos, it's so funny. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, there's a few pictures of my kids, but there's just mostly pages and pages. Of- <laughs> That's how mine is too. <laughs> and sometimes I do that. This is bad. If I have a meeting I have to go to, mm-hmm. I'll take pictures of a book, like ch- the next chapter in a book. So that I can sit there and be like, mm, yes, Genius. yes. And then I'm, re- <laughs> but I'm actually. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I so, love that. You're, you're going to get no judgment from me. That's for sure. <laughs> well, I kind of want to talk about a few more books coming out mm-hmm. um, that are exciting to me. And one of them is coming out really soon. Uh, this is Martin Riker's The Guest Lecture. It comes out this month on January 24th from Grove. 
and I do have a copy. Very excited. I've, I've known Martin a little bit online. He used to, you know, do publicity work and various things for Dalkey. Uh, just, just someone that I'm like, okay, let's see what you've got here. Yeah. But it sounds fantastic. Here, here it is. It's called the, um, the guest lecture. It says, in a hotel room in the middle of the night, Abby, a young feminist economist, lies awake next to her sleeping husband and daughter, anxious that she is grossly unprepared for a talk she is presenting tomorrow on optimism, and John Maynard Keynes, she has resolved to practice by using an ancient rhetorical method of assigning parts of her speech to different rooms in her house, and has brought along a comforting, albeit imaginary, companion to keep her on track. Keynes himself. (laughs) That's not the the whole blurb here, but... You know, it, it does seem like the anxiety is just going to increase, actually, rather than decrease. But I'm really excited to sit down with this one. This is another one on my today list. You know, I yeah. that I'm I'll be reading it before our next episode for sure. Uh, but really excited about about this uh, this debut uh, from Martin. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. I did, I thought I recognized his name, but I couldn't really place where I would know it from. Mm. And when I was looking through, you know, the upcoming books this year, that one actually stuck out to me, even though I didn't really know anything about him. It does. It just sounds really fascinating. This, the stressful part of it. I don't know. I've had a few of those, (laughs) like where you're in a hotel room and you have like a presentation the next day and like pacing around and stuff. That part of it gets my blood pressure going a little bit, but it sounds like the way that it's engaged with would just be fascinating. So yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. I am excited. I think, my next one or two might be ones if there is a crossover with the one bright book, it might be these ones. I can't remember if they mentioned them. I think they probably did at least in passing. So the first one is Rombo by Esther Kins- Kinski. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one actually has been out now for a while from Fitz Corraldo in their edition. But this new edition is coming out from the NYRB line, not the classics, but their other yeah. line, which I was thrilled to see. I mean, I've read her two other books, uh, Grove and River. Oh, amazing. She's just such a wonderful writer. And so when I saw this one was coming out, I I got very excited. Um, Let's see. It says, in May and September 1976, two severe earthquakes ripped through the Friuli region in northeastern Italy, causing extensive damage. About a thousand people died under the rubble. Tens of thousands were left without shelter, and many ended up leaving their homes forever. This book is a record of the disaster and its aftermath, as told by seven men and women who were children at the time. They speak of portents that preceded the earthquakes and of the complete disorder that followed, the obliteration of all that was familiar and known by heart. Their memories, like the earth, are subject to rifts and abysses. So, wow, it sounds so good. This, at least from that description, sounds very different to me than her other two books, which were mostly focused on an individual woman in each case and kind of her inner life and thoughts. And I would assume maybe some of these sections might take a similar form, but the fact that it's branching off into all these different characters and focusing on something really big, these disasters rather than, you know, more interior lives of people who are going through big things in their lives, but not necessarily, you know, like things that to the outside world would show up. Um, so at least in theory, this one sounds like it'll be a, a step away from what she's done in the past, but still sounds absolutely wonderful. That does. I, I've never read Grove and River yet. I, I see them a lot and need mm-hmm. to. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll, I will I will get to those as well. Yeah. I've been, you can I've been this, excited about it. Add that to your 
today after tomorrow list. <laughs> right. That's how this is going to turn into. It's not my two TBR. It's my today, 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 and today. This is my exactly. fourth today list. Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, another one I want to bring up is Carlos Fonseca's Austral, translated by Megan McDowell. This comes mm-hmm. out in May from FSG. And let's see. I really like these kinds of books. Just this this premise here. It says the English writer Aliza Abravanel races to finish her final novel before her mind deteriorates. That was all I needed to read. Wow. To wow. to get kind of excited about this. It says the last living speaker of a language is confronted with the disappearance of his culture. Another reason I would be really interested in this. Through the construction of an esoteric theater of memory, a survivor of the Guatemalan genocide seeks to recover the memories buried in the trauma of war. Uh, Seeking the connecting thread between these three stories of loss is Julio, a disillusioned professor of literature who receives a posthumous summons from his old friend Elisa that that will send him hurtling into a painful episode from his past. Wow. Yeah. That sounds wonderful. Yeah. I just, this, this again, uh, this is where it gets tricky. I also have a copy of this one already. <laughs> and so this is where the today list is, is hard because it doesn't come out until May. So I don't need to read it yet, but I want to, mm-hmm. but it now is the, you know, you kind of touch on it. How do you make this on your today list tomorrow? <laughs> right. Yeah. But I, is... I just think that this one sounds really good. I, I don't really know Carlos Fonseca's work. I've heard his mm-hmm. name plenty in the past, but I don't think I've read anything by him. Uh, but that, that was fun. And it says it's compassionate, the novel. And that's always a nice thing too. I don't mind bitter and dark. I'm, you know, I kind of, I kind of like you a little bit in some of that but wait, Paul, mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> but I really like compassionate um, ways of dealing with this stuff as well. So I'm, I'm mm-hmm. excited about Austral. Yeah. That sounds really good. And I just, I was remiss and I didn't, I don't believe I mentioned the publication date for Rombo. So just to go back really quick, oh, uh-huh. it's from NYRB and it's March 14th. So Man, yet another March book coming out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that does sound good. <laughs> well, here's another one from an all an all time favorite author for me that um, I think again that one bright book might have touched on this one, but it's by Fernanda Meltor. This is not Miami, um, translated by Sophie Hughes and coming out April fourth from mm-hmm. New Directions. So, you know, we've talked a lot about her. I love, especially loved, you know her, her first one, but, um, hurricane season, but uh, paradise was also really, really good. Um, so, you know, anything that she, she comes out with, I'm going to get the second it comes out. It says set in and around the Mexican city of Veracruz. This is not Miami delivers a series of devastating stories spiraling from real events that bleed together reportage in the author's rich and rigorous imagination. These narrative nonfiction pieces probe deeply into the motivations of murderers and misfits into their desires and circumstances, forcing us to understand them and even empathize, despite our wish to simply label them monsters. So going back to the darkness, I mean, there's something that I just love about that idea of examining these people who could be labeled as monsters, but, you know, empathizing or at the very least trying to understand them. You know, this is my wife and I've been rewatching Breaking Bad for probably the third time now. And there's just something about gray areas and the subjectivity of morality when you get into certain situations that I just find endlessly intriguing. So not only does the topic of this one sound Mm -hmm. wonderful, but then in her hands, knowing from reading her other books, how good she is at getting into the minds of some of these people who are not necessarily very sympathetic on the surface. I I think this could just be wonderful. So 
and it's really interesting too that it's narrative nonfiction, but like it sounds like it could have some of that grayer that we've talked about with mm-hmm. between fiction and nonfiction where her imagination starts to play into it. Um, speaking of, you know, Benjamin Labatut and some of those other <laughs> people like that. So all of it together. I mean, I'm just chomping at the bit for this one. And I, I have been toting that one around because okay. I know it's kind of like little short stories, but yeah. weirdly, I, even though I've been carrying it in my bag, it's been a really busy week. And so I haven't started it yet, but I've, I also figure this, this year I want to get caught up on Melkor's work. So. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's amazing. Well, I have two more. I'm going to do it kind of in quick succession, if you don't mind. Sure. Just because of, of, of where we're at on time and such. Um, one is coming out this month uh, as well, January 24th, similar to the guest lecture. And this is The Last Pomegranate Tree by Ali Bakhtiar. Uh, I don't know if I'm saying that even close to right, uh, but uh, translated by Karim Abdul Rahman from the Kurdish, I believe. And that's coming out from Archipelago. Um, I love the first few pages of this one. I posted them on Twitter a while back, but uh, just a kind of a f- interesting thing. There's a character who is being lied to by, he's almost been kept captive, um, protected. He he's been told from atrocities out there, but starting to be suspicious. And I just like, it says, whenever he told lies, the birds would fly away. It had been that way since he was a child. Whenever he told a lie, something strange would happen. And he starts to suspect on page one, this is not what I think it is. Mm. I don't know a whole lot more about this um, book, but it, you know, it's archipelago. Um, it, it'll be good. <laughs> I'm so glad you mentioned it. Cause it was, if we had time, it was one that I was going to list. And I was actually oh, emailing back and forth uh, yesterday with Jillian over at archipelago who kind of handles some of their um, memberships and subscriptions. And she told me that that was going to be in the next package of, of oh, books nice. that she's sending my way. So I'm glad you mentioned it. Cause it was one I was going to touch on as well. It sounds wonderful. Like you said, I don't know much more than you said, but it's one of those where, again, we trust that publisher period. And then mm-hmm. the little bit you do read just sounds fascinating. So yeah, really good no, that'll, that'll be that's so cool to get those things in the mail. And <laughs> I love it. <laughs> love it so much. It was a year ago. I was talking to her that I first subscribed to the, I had done it in the past, but as people may remember, I did the constellation membership where you get like uh-huh. back, uh, backlist and new titles. And it's been a, a year and it's just been a wonderful year of, those little treats of those packages coming in the mail. So very cool. The The last one I will bring up, um, even though I have more, you know, that's okay. Me too. You know, I, I have old God's time by Sebastian Barry comes mm. out in March from Viking. Um, did you ever read the, the secret scripture? I did. I really liked that. Book. I did too. Uh, and I really liked the tone. I really liked a lot about that. Um, I read a thousand moons as well by him. And I think days without end. Uh, I've not read The Temporary Gentleman or On Canaan's Side, but I really like the setup again of this one. Again, it's so much just the mood and the tone, you know, and other things that it reminds me of. But this says, recently retired policeman Tom Kettle is settling into the quiet of his new home, a lean-to annexed to a Victorian castle overlooking the Irish Sea. 
Mm. Right there, I'm like, okay, okay, I'll go join you. I'll go join you in this this place. Uh, For months, he has barely seen a soul, catching only glimpses of his eccentric landlord and a nervous young mother who has moved in next door. Occasionally, fond memories return of his family, his beloved wife, June, and their two children, Winnie and Joe. But when his former colleagues turn up at his door with questions about a decades-old case, one which Tom never quite came to terms with, he finds himself pulled into the darkest currents of his past. I like crime novels. I like, you know, this darkness. Sebastian Barry has a way of mixing that with other things I really like, like just kind of moody writing and introspection. And, you know, it's a little bit, I I assume it's going to be a little bit of a slow burn. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I thought, dang, way to go, man. I didn't care as much for Days Without End and A Thousand Moons as I did like the, The Secret Scripture, but I've always kind of had him on my radar and I'm like, oh, this this now sounds like the book you've been I've been waiting for. <laughs> it does sound really good. I have Days Without End, and and I bought it in hardcover when it first came out, and have not yet gotten <laughs> to it. But like you said, Secret Scripture, and then I read A Long Long Way. I don't know if you ever read that one. It was, if I remember right, it's been a long time, but I think it I was, don't think so. It was all about World War One and, and soldiers. Like I think returning. Yeah, from World I do War remember I. people reading that yeah. one. I remember it being in the discussion, but I never did read it. It was really good too. So like you said, he's one of those where. The few books that I have read have built up that loyalty where often I'll pick up another one, even though I don't always get to them right away. So, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. I, I don't know that I knew that one was coming out. Yeah, it's really coming good, out though. soon. March, March. Nice. It's a March. good spring. You know, sometimes this feels like a little bit of a dry time. Whew, not but, this year. Man, no. And again, I have, I have several more here. Uh, the Crane Husband by Kelly Barnhill. The Sun Walks Down by Fiona McFarland. Both of those are February. Mm-hmm. Anyway, do you have any others? I don't want to cut you I off. I mean, just but... quickly, um, you know, we've talked about Jan Fossa a lot on here. Mm. He he has, again, Who's these, some of the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> some of these books have been out in other forms, but they're Melancholy 1 and Melancholy 2 is coming out in, in Mar- on March 8th from Fitzcarraldo. Ooh. That was one that I had on my list. Um Another Dalkey, the Sotweed Factory, which is a you know republication. Another one of their old classics, yeah. coming out on uh, May twenty third. There's one that I'll just touch on, not touch on, but um, we talked about it before. I think it's from Archipelago called Whale, and I'm not going to be able to pronounce this name, but Chian Myong Kwan from Archipelago. That one's coming out this spring, and that just sounds wonderful too. So. Yeah, we could go on and on, but um, and that's that's only the first <laughs> half of the year. We even limited ourselves, so <laughs> we really could be like, okay, here are the all of the books New Directions is publishing. Here are all of the books NYRB Classics is publishing, and right. New York Review Books. Here, are maybe all that'll of the be books next year's Dalkey episode. Publishing <laughs> us just reading each of their uh, catalogs. That would right, be that's that's compelling, it. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, it's it's hard not to be excited about any one of them because you just don't know what ones are going to really hit that nerve um you know one that one that is coming out um from nyrb classics i just got the copy of uh i i knew it was coming out and and kind of like oh okay that that should be that should be fun but when it arrived and i started kind of thumbing through it i'm like this should be one of my most anticipated titles of the year it's the story of a life by konstantin postovsky uh, translated by douglas smith yeah, and the thing that I like, I don't know if you saw this, but um, I uh, posted on tw- on Twitter and on Instagram a little video because it just looks so good. And John Self got on there and said, hey, I really like this one, but if you don't believe me, uh, take it from that bloke on the back cover. 
it's him. Oh wow! <laughs> he has a he he is he has finally arrived. You know he he's Seriously. got a quote on the back of an NYRB Classics uh, edition. Wow. Uh, but I'm glad you know, we had he, him on our our last episode before he got really big. Right, you know? right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, you know that just leads even more to we want this book. But but it hadn't really been on my you know, even my most anticipated NYRB classics of the year. So it, it's still, it is tempting to just go through these lists, say, okay, here's what's coming. Yeah. Everyone get ready. But I also really like trying to say, okay, which ones am I most likely to throw everything else aside? Mm-hmm. You know, all my other plans, you know, derail my whole reading year, not exactly. read Proust again, you know, in order to read. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I mean, that's just, the, like you said, this this time of year is so fun, just all the new books and, and looking ahead. But I know we're up against time, but I'll just say one of the things I was going to mention along with kind of taking more notes and slowing down is also, I just, I always reread, but I want to make a concerted effort this year yeah. to make sure that another, I another potential topic for us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, you know, I, I have my eye on rereading a few of the big, like great classics that I love so much. Middle March, maybe, or Moby Dick or oh, man. to the lighthouse or oh, even some Dickens. All, all of I those, know. I would have the hardest time not jumping in exactly. right away with you. <laughs> so, you know, I, I have some other first time I, I've mentioned before. I always like to read at least one or two big classics every year. Um, this mm. year, I, I would like to not only read a new one or two new to me, one or two classics, but also maybe go back and revisit some of those all-timers those books that you know make up like the pillars of my life um and you know these ones i feel very safe that there's no risk in rereading <laughs> sometimes you have that fear that it won't be what it was right. the first time but with with these ones i know i'm in you know safe territory but anyway yeah. that's just one other thing i was going to mention is with all the buzz of of new and shiny and exciting which there's plenty of those that i'm looking forward to i also do want to take the time to make sure that i to reread and go back to some of those all-time favorites as well well, one of my other goals this year, my wife, you know, as I've said before, works at the library, the, mm-hmm. the local library, and she put together a, a bookmark challenge this year of, for, for adult, an adult reading challenge for oh, 2023 cool. with various categories on the bookmark, you know, like read a book set in Africa. Bing, got that done on, you know, the first of the, of the year. Impressive, <laughs> impressive. Uh, but various things like that. And I've been going through and kind of thinking about that. And one of those is reread an old favorite. So I'll, I'll be doing that too sometime this year. Very cool. And do trying you have, to figure out that what that is. I was going to say, do you have any, like, not that I'm going to hold you to it, but anything percolating? Yeah. I, I'm thinking of A Month in the Country. Oh, that's It's been be a long time since I read that one. Um, but I'll be doing that one. And then, uh, but that's also why I checked out Heartstopper. One of them was read a genre that you don't, read that often or read, you know, and last year I read a couple of LGBTQIA plus books and thought, I need to do more of this. I just Mm -hmm. have to, you know, I just need to. And that was one of the reasons why I checked out Heartstopper was just like, hey, there they are. There are all four of them. They yeah. also, one of them will also count as a graphic novel on the check. That's what I was going to say. You checked another box there. That's well, what a cool. You can't, you can't check off one book. Can't count for multiple categories. Ah, okay. Um, but there are four of those out. And so I'm going to use them for whatever they do account for, but there you go. yeah, so that, that'll be fun, but I'm definitely going to be doing the reread an old classic and man to, to the lighthouse. I've been wanting to reread that one for a long time. That might, you might've convinced me that that's actually the way to go. Nice. Well, that, that's what I like to do. Be a, 
be a good influence yeah. on you. So very, very much so. You are, <laughs> <laughs> as are you. Well, thanks, Paul. We'll be back here in a couple of weeks with our episode on Scholastic Mukasanga. I'm very excited about that. And uh, thanks, Paul, for joining me again today. Happy New Year. As I said at the beginning of the episode, I've been uh, excited to get back in touch on and look forward to 2023. (laughs) I know. I do, too. It's been a lot of fun, and I can't wait to see what's next. Thanks, Trevor. All right. Well, listeners, we'll see you later. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mooks and the Gripes podcast. You can follow the Mooks and the Gripes and get show notes and book and film reviews at mooksandgripes.com. On Twitter, you can follow Trevor at Mooks and Paul at BiblioPaul. You can also get information about future shows on our Patreon. If you'd like to donate to the show, anything and everything, even a dollar a month helps and is deeply appreciated. You can become a Patreon at patreon.com mooks. Until next time. Thank you.